Hi, this is Alicia Crank, and welcome to part three of my Alicia and Edmonds podcast centered around the 2021 Edmonds City Council campaign. You know, I, I didn't think about how much certain things impacted me last year until I started recapping some of the, the highs and the lows. And it kind of reminds me of, it's kind of like when someone loses a lot of weight and I've done that before, believe it or not. And I really didn't see it. You know, I still kind of had this mentality that I was still a certain size. But it's only when you go back and look at photos of yourself from months ago and then look at yourself today, you go, oh, wow, that, that was significant. That was a change. And so in doing this podcast, I feel the same way. I feel that I look at how I go about doing certain things now and look at how I went about doing certain things at that time. And I see the differences. So part three, um, it still kind of gets a little personal, but I'll say part two is really where the, the, the climax of that hit, where these attacks were just kind of coming out of nowhere. And when I say coming out of nowhere, I mean, Again, it's people that I've never spent any time with, never been in the same room with, never reached out to me, but felt that the best way to neutralize my campaign or to show that they wanted to support somebody else in the campaign was not to spend time supporting that person, but that somehow character assassination was the way to go. And I still take it personally. I won't even try to tell myself that I don't. I do. Because in the now almost eight years that I've been here in this community, I feel I've done everything I can to do good here, to help other people, to give of my time, talent, and treasure. And so to feel like those that have been here for a while, that are part of Edmonds Institution, if you will, felt that my reward for this to counter my audacity to want to do more would be to make me seem like evil incarnate doesn't quite sit well with me. And so I want to talk about some of the things that happened in July, August, and September. And I will tell you right now that part four, which will be the last part, I'm already going to call that one truths and consequences because that episode is really going to talk about some of the not so nice things that happened towards the end of the campaign. But let's talk about the primary. So in July, there were a lot of endorsement interviews and processes that were going on, both with, you know, the Everett Herald, Um, Other groups, um, both kind of regionally and also local. And I will tell you, I was very happy to have gotten this, the endorsements that I did, especially from the Everett Herald. But there was a part of me that still made it feel a little hollow. And not because of anything that they did or anything that I did or said. It was more that neither of my opponents would show up for these endorsement interviews. We already talked about Brian Hartman, who I called the ghost candidate. 
who threw his name in but didn't do anything else during the primary. Still garnered a thousand votes, though. Um, and Christiana Johnson was also not responding um, to endorsement interviews. There was only one that I think she ended up showing up to was for um, the League of Women Voters, which is not an endorsement, but more um, of a Q&A. And she did not respond until maybe two and a half hours before we were supposed to do it, you know, record it live on Zoom. And so while I feel like I earned those endorsements, at the same time, it felt like, why would you not even bother to show up? I will find out later, but that's for part four. Um, so that was that. But I would say the one endorsement process that went way off the rails was Sierra Club. And I, I mentioned Sierra Club briefly in, in the first part. Again, when you live in a town such as Edmonds, we're not very big. And you have people that are serial volunteers. And I will include myself in that number. So there are people that are, you know, volunteers on different boards, commissions, service organizations um, that also live here. And so sometimes there's there's an intertwining of things. There's an intertwining of friendships. There's an intertwining of, of service responsibilities that we've taken on. And so when it came down to Sierra Club, and at this time again, no one knew that Christiana was going to be running until the week of the filing deadline. Sierra Club ended up not doing any endorsements, the local chapter, ended up not doing any endorsements for any of the races in Edmonds. And a lot of that had to do with certain seasoned folks in our community who felt like you couldn't separate church and state. There's one woman that's on the Sierra Club um, board who supported my campaign early on. And again, it was just me. And she's still a private citizen, no matter if she serves on this board or not. But as her own individual self, she supported my campaign and only to come to find out that my opponent gave her grief for it and told her that she couldn't separate who she was as an individual from her being on this Sierra Club board, which is completely untrue. But because it was so put upon her heavily and this person ended up emailing me, you know, a very sincere email of apology about not being able to continue to outwardly support me because she was getting this pressure um, from the other side. I understood it. I didn't like it, but I understood it. And I had to respect her decision. But a lot of that started to happen. And I think for me, it came to a hilt on Independence Day. So July 4th, as you know, we ended up having even, you know, at the last minute, um, the 4th of July festivities were able to be pulled together in the midst of COVID. And I serve on a lot of different boards and commissions. And I've participated in the parades in the past with other groups that have invited me to participate with them. I think one year I marched with a diversity commission. Uh, I've never done it as a candidate, frankly, because the amount of money that is charged, 
I think it's like 500 bucks um, for a candidate to march in the camp, in the, in the parade. It seemed a bit excessive to me. Um, but I also didn't think it was the best use of money either because the majority of people that come to the parade and its festivities are outside of Edmonds. So I just didn't think that was a good use of financial spending of um, campaign donations for that. So I never campaigned during the the 4th of July parades, even during years where I was running. I never wore my campaign stuff. I participated as an individual who was associated with a particular group. And so I was appointed to the Hazel Miller Foundation Board um, earlier in the year, in January of 2021. And there's a lot of notable community members who also intersect into other groups in and around the community. But when it came to be that the parade was going to happen, you know, and it was fairly last minute, we were asked if there was anyone on the board that wanted to be in it. I was not going to do it at all. And it came to pass that other people couldn't do it either that were on the board either because they already had commitments to be in other places and do other things. But with Hazel Miller being the, you know, the, the large sponsor and as someone who has worked in fundraising and done events, you know, you always want to make sure that your, your lead sponsor is recognized and available in a way. So I reached out to the rest of the board and I said, look, it sounds like no one can do it. I said, I'm happy to do it, can, but maybe can we get it with like some of the kids or, you know, groups that we support and we can all be in the vehicle together. And it sounded like everyone was on board with that, but I was very cognizant of my running for office and, you know, that type of thing. But I was like, I've participated in ways before, so it shouldn't be an issue. So the day before, um, the parade on the third, I received a phone call from a friend who was pleading with me not to participate in the parade. And initially I told her, no, I was like, no, I'm going to do it. I can't be thinking about what a few people might do or say, especially if I have a track record of having done this before and I'm smart enough to not try to double dip and make it a campaigning thing. But what she told me next is the reason why I did not participate. And that was because there was a certain group of folks affiliated with the chamber that were very much against my participating in this way. And that some of those said folk, if I did participate, were going to snap photos and, and put stuff out into the media that I was using my status with Hazel Miller to double dip, if you will, and use it as a campaign thing. I knew it wasn't true. Those who know me would know that isn't true. Said photos would probably show that I wouldn't have had on anything campaign related. So that wouldn't be true. But I chose not to participate because I didn't want to bring that level of potentially negative press to an organization that does good for this community. So at the last minute, 
you know, I, I emailed a couple of people, including another board member who decided that he would participate with me and said, hey, you know what, just it's too much drama. I'm just going to, you know, step out. And I was told, OK, that's fine. But I did not let the chamber know. And so the next morning, the parade happens. I'm watching it from at home. And, oh, there's another story I got to tell you about that, too. So um, I get an email from one of the board members later that day. And he said, hey, the, the parade went fine. It was great, but they didn't have a car for us. I found that to be interesting because, again, if you are the lead sponsor, you make sure no matter what kind of last minute things you're trying to pull together, you make sure that your lead sponsor is represented and has a vehicle for the parade. Excuses were made. And what I found to be interesting was that when it was pointed out to people that were in charge that that there wasn't a car there, the immediate response wasn't, oh my God, let's see what we can do. Oh, let's go change something up. The immediate response was, but where's Alicia? And so I had to think, I don't like to think this way about myself. I don't think I'm that super important, which is why all this slanderous stuff that happened is still a surprise to me to this day. I'm like, I would hate to think that this was a sabotage move, that somehow I was going to be embarrassed that when I checked in, that there would be no car and I would just be standing there looking silly, but I wasn't there. So it was odd to me that that was the first response, not, oh my God, let me see what's happened. Let's go rectify that. Why was it about my not being there? But I digress. The other thing that happened um, the morning of July the 4th, and I will tell you, I'm I'm very proud of how I handled this situation. I received a phone call. I didn't initially answer it because I don't answer phone numbers. I don't know. And it was an Edmonds police officer. Um, And apparently one of my campaign volunteers who were going out and putting up our yard signs um, in public ways. There's that infamous little corner at Ninth and Main um, that we're only, it's not public apparently. Um, is owned by Mr. Gary Nelson. Remember the guy I mentioned in the last part? Is 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 his land? I didn't. I knew that at the time, and I had instructed certain people to not put any signage there because it is not public property. But someone did anyway, and apparently, the wife of Mr. Nelson saw the sign and started to tear it up and then throw it in a ravine. But this was done in front of an an off-duty Edmonds police officer. And so that officer called in backup for someone that was on patrol to come and check it out. And they had a very terse exchange with the Nelsons about this. And so as the officer is telling me, he's asking me if I wanted to press charges. Of course, for a quick 15 seconds, I, I wanted to say yes, but I was like, no, 
Because what's that gonna do? What what would be the goal of my doing that? What 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 benefit would it be? And sure, it was on his property. Uh, but they did have them go into that ravine and retrieve the sign. And they put the sign on the corner for, for myself or someone else to go and pick up. So um, two good friends showed up at the same time to pick it up. So thank you. Thank you, Heather. And thank you, John. And, you know, I was even reached out to maybe a few weeks later to see if I had changed my mind about pressing charges. You know, say no. So, yeah. July 4th was a really interesting day for me. And so then we go to the primary debate that um, my Edmonds News hosted in part with the Edmonds Civic Roundtable and a few other groups. That's going to come into play for part four, by the way, too. And again, we my position number was up first. So it was myself, Christiana Johnson, and Ghost Candidate. Ghost Candidate did not show up, participate, say he wasn't going to be there or not. And I had a very interesting exchange with Christiana right before that, where she stated that someone that she knew had actually talked to Mr. Hartman, but no one else has ever had that ability to do it. And it was such an odd story for her to say, which led me and others to believe, okay, so was Mr. Hartman a quote unquote plant to create a primary and thus create this kind of free poll, if we will, to see how the votes would shake out? I digress. And then let's talk about the letters to the editor that started to come out. And again, it's, I kept looking for these negative thing. Like, what did I do? Like, what, what is this tangible thing that people are going to say that I'm horrible about? And the letters that came out basically came down to Alicia volunteers too much. She volunteers too much. And that she can't possibly be doing anything other than just being in attendance. I laughed. Others around me laughed. And I was like, wow, this is the worst that they can say about me is that I do and care too much in volunteering. Even though I'm the chair of one board and the vice chair of another board, which are not attendance only roles, by the way. But I will say that there was one thing that happened from that that really made me change my opinion about who I volunteer with and to what degree. And it makes me sad that I came to that conclusion. So when this letter came out, you know, I, I didn't, I never ask anyone to go and respond to things. If people want to, they will. That's just my philosophy. I don't want to force anybody to say something in my defense because I can defend myself if I feel the need to do it. But there was one person that I serve on a board with. And this person I know is very much involved in what happens politically in the community. And it's also another person that volunteers a lot in this community. And I work very closely with this person 
when it came to planning our board meetings and this cadence and how we want to go about things. Seriously, like emails all the time. And I had no problem doing that. And so knowing that that was the case, I really did in my mind expect this person to chime in and to say, at least on her service to this particular board, that is not the case. And he didn't. And and, and that did hurt me. And I ran into him maybe a week or so later outside of a, a, a local business. And, you know, he stopped to talk to me and asked me how things were going. And I asked him, are you sure you want to know? And he said, yeah. And so I told him and I told him the two things that happened. And I told him that I was really disappointed that he, as someone who does have a voice in this community that people listen to, that they respect, that the fact that you're telling me in one breath that when you're at other boards and other meetings that people speak highly of me and that you do the same, but yet in this case, you couldn't stand up for me. It makes me wonder, it makes me question how I move forward. And he said he understood it. And we just kind of left it at that. There was a part of me that was hoping that he would still say something, but he did not. And Ashley went on to, well, we'll say that for part four. The last thing I want to talk about that happened has to do with that anti-bias portal. (sighs) I won't go into too much detail because honestly, I've written about it. I've done Black and Edmonds episodes about it. So my, my thoughts around how this portal was executed is well known. And there's someone, there are going to be some people that say, well, Alicia, you make yourself a public figure, so you're fair game. And I get that. But what I also don't get is being the only fair game. And so when this portal came out and people were speaking against it, there was one guy, Matt Richardson, who decided to use me and another person of color in this community as a experiment with this portal. And the problem with this portal still to this day is that the way that it's taken in, the way that it's vetted, and the fact that now anything that's put into that portal is now what we call a public record. And if you've known anything about city public records, you can request them. Anytime that your name pops up into something that's on a city document, And the reports from this portal is a city document. I'm now part of this portal along with this other person and anyone else that could do it. So the problem with this portal is one, anyone can write anything. And two, if you're mentioned in it, like I was, you have no idea that you were brought into it unless someone tells you. But I guess I should be thankful that Mr. Richardson decided to 
write a whole letter or a really long, one of his longer responses on my admin's news to say that he had done this. He even emailed it to me. So I guess, thanks. Um, there was nothing I could do about it. I couldn't tell him to not send it. He's going to do what he wants to do. And so it, and what I found interesting about all of this is that this was only happening to me. There's eight of us in this whole primary where things are happening. But yet, I'm the only candidate whose name is getting dropped into this portal. I'm the only candidate where people are requesting public records requests on any and all emails that I have sent since January of 2020. Spoiler alert, it happened and there was nothing in there. Nothing questionable, not me colluding with certain members of council on certain issues. I mean, I still have no idea what this man was looking for, but it wasn't there. And when the city reached out to me to say, hey, this request came in, you know, you have an opportunity to like put a halt to it and request that you see it before it goes public. I was like, no, let it go public. I, there's nothing to hide. There's nothing improper. And if anything, the one thing that did happen, which I have to admit that I smiled a little bit from this, was that what they most likely saw and thus not pressed upon was the fact that there were several emails initiated from the non-wall of four to me, asking for my input and advice on certain topics, which of course will not fit into their negative narrative about me that I'm all about one certain group and that I never communicate with this other group. That's what the public records request showed. And of course, nothing came from that because it is what it is. That was a lot. And there's a lot I left out. But part four, which is going to be, you know, the last part of this podcast. Like I said, it's going to be called Truths and Consequences. And I will preface it by saying that a lot of things that I could have said, and in some degrees to certain people should have said, I did not say during the last part of the campaign. Because I wanted to respect other people's privacy. I also didn't want to come off as the jerk, even though what I would have said would have been true during that time. The other part of that, though, is that when I talk about hurt feelings, and I say I'm not, a, I'm not an emotional person, but it takes a lot to get me personally to a point of, I don't want to have anything else to do with you. And that happened during the last part of the campaign. From people I didn't expect it from, um, from people who I've always given the utmost respect to, but found that I could no longer function in a way that excused bad behavior. So that's part three of the podcast. Part four will be coming up shortly. 
And I do want to say that through all of this, I feel so good about how many people in our community now are paying attention to things that are weighing in publicly, that are not feeling fearful of the quote unquote establishment that has been created in Edmonds. And so I applaud you for that. And if anything, all of this drama was worth seeing that level of engagement happen. Until then, I'll talk to you in part four.